wow, there is a lot going on in there, isn't there? Um, I've seen this film, uh, yeah, a few times now, and it always, always hits me on so many different levels. Uh, but we're gonna come back to that in a little bit. Um, it is great to have you with us today. Uh, my name's Esther, I'm one of the leaders here at Ebby Church. And the video that we've just watched of Bob Sorby sharing where he's at with God in his real life, it felt like a great introduction to our new teaching series that we're starting today. Over our summer Sundays, we're going to be getting stuck into the Psalms, and we've even got a cheeky little hashtag, no filter, to go with it. How exciting. There are 150 Psalms right in the middle of the Bible, and these are poems and songs written by a few different people. The thing with the Psalms is they're not airbrushed, so they look and sound pretty. They're not like our social media highlight reel. The authors of these songs and poems throw away any kind of filter. These psalms are used to process the highs and the lows of life. They are raw and they are honest. And if you read uh, the psalms, you'll often find worship and thankfulness, questions and lament a declaring of how awesome God is and questioning his very existence, sometimes in the same breath. And I think we saw um, a little bit of this in the video that we've just seen. Uh, Bob Sorge said, I don't see your faithfulness in my life, but I'm going to come after you until I do. I don't see your goodness in my life, but I'm going to come after you until I do, because I believe you are a good God. I don't feel like you're being merciful to me right now, but I'm going to come after you until I see your mercy in my life, because I believe you are a merciful God. Um, that is amazing. And I think that's a psalm right there, isn't it? It's that mixture of all of these different things in one chunk. And so today we're going to read Psalm 42. Uh, this psalm includes one very small but massively deep, rich and powerful word. And that is yet. So I'm just going to pray. Father God, thank you that your word is alive and powerful. And I pray that you will speak to us through your word today, through your Holy Spirit, into, will you speak into the very deep parts and places within us? Yeah, will you help us to be open? Yeah, open to you, whatever it is you might want to be yeah, saying and doing this morning, today. Amen. So let's read Psalm 42. Uh, if you've got a Bible, uh, have a read along with me, otherwise it will also be on your screen. So this is Psalm 42, and it says it's written by the sons of Korah. Not really sure who they are. I like to imagine they're a biblical version of Take That, but I might be wrong. So Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? 
My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about? Morning, oppressed by the enemy. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taught me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. So there are four things that we are going to pick out from this psalm. Uh, pursue remember, wrestle and question, and yet. And this isn't a four-point action plan or a nice transferable formula that we can use and repeat. Life rarely fits into neat formulas. Um, but I'm going to pick out these things from this psalm and just want to encourage you to um, read and think yourself and ask yeah, what does this mean for me? How does this psalm speak into my life today, into our lives today? Um, there are no easy answers in this, but lots of good stuff to think about. So in Psalm 42, we see the raw, complicated messiness of life. And we also see that God is right in the middle of it. And there is one thing, one thread that I think runs through the whole of this psalm. And that is a pursuit, an active and intentional choice by the psalmist to bring God into the mix, to search for him, to chase him down. So let's have a look at pursue. And you might remember Bob Sorge saying in the video, he said, I think that's what God wants from us. I think he wants us coming after him with all our heart and soul. God wants us coming after him with all our heart and soul. Not just the nice bits that we don't mind other people or God seeing. With the sadness, when we're not where we want to be, when we're only just hanging on to a memory of God, with the questions, with all our heart and soul. And this is what we see in Psalm 42. The first three verses get straight into it. The psalmist says, I'm dry, I'm thirsty, I'm asking where God is. Other people are asking me where God is and I have a lot of tears. And on the face of it, you might think it sounds pretty bleak, but there's still a nod towards a relationship with God throughout this psalm. The writer says, my God, my rock, the living God, the God of my life. This relationship is still there and it's still personal. 
And I think this can be really, really painful. The, the constant internal battle. I don't know where you are, God. Yet, at the same time, I know you're here. And it reminds me of an account, encounter we read in the Bible between Jesus and the father of a child who is really sick. So this dad is in pain uh, and he asks Jesus' friends to heal his son. But it doesn't happen. And this dad, he meets Jesus. He asks again for help, but is understandably a bit shaken. He's a, a bit iffy. Like, can this happen? Can Jesus do this? Will he? And Jesus gently challenges the father and his faith. And in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, it says, Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I'm a big fan of this kind of honesty, this kind of faith that we see in this father, in Psalm 42, in Bob Sorge. And I see it lots, not only in the crazy big stories of prayer courses and conferences, I see it in our church family here. And maybe even more so in the last 18 months where people have been making the tough choice to keep going after God, to keep trusting he is good, even when that's hard to see or feel. Because to pursue God when life is hard is tough. The thing is, as Christians, we don't often think that sharing our life when we're in amongst this stuff is worth it. We worry that it says that we're, we're weak, that our faith is on the rocks, that we're not as spiritual as people might think. Like, quite simply, this isn't right. And this psalm, and a chunk of the other 149 in the Bible are evidence of that. Like we need to share life with each other, not just the highlights, not just the good stuff. And when life is hard, when we choose to keep pursuing God within that, that's encouraging, that's inspiring. Like we, need, we need to hear this, it is good stuff. And Psalm 42 is written using personal pronouns, so my, I, me. But as we noticed at the start, this psalm is credited to the sons of Korah. Like there was more than one of them. And I like to imagine them sat together as these words are being written. Maybe they're encouraging the writer out loud to, to keep going that, yes, it's okay to be this honest. Or maybe they're just sitting quietly together. Because sometimes that's enough, isn't it? To just have people sat there with you. Either way, they're doing it together and we need to do this together. I love that this grit your teeth choice to pursue God runs through everything we read in this psalm. It's something that the psalmist keeps coming back to. I don't see you right now, God but I'm going to keep searching. I'm going to keep coming after you until I do. So some thoughts on pursue. Now we're gonna have a look at remember and how it fits in with all of this. When you read this Psalm, it seems as though remembering that that fuels 
the choice to pursue. And uh, we've talked in a series a few weeks ago about how looking back and remembering is often helpful in encouraging us to move forward, to, to point us to God. And our psalmist makes the choice to remember. And maybe we can feel and identify with the turmoil they are experiencing as they put the reality of life right now alongside how things have been, how things have felt in the past. And this can be a really painful thing for a person to do. And I think it takes a lot of courage. In verse six, we read, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. And I don't know about you, but the use of the word therefore and what follows on a first read, it just kind of seems a little bit mixed up. Uh, we wouldn't necessarily expect, therefore I will remember you, to flow from my soul is downcast within me, would we? And there are some great verses in Lamentations, a book in the Bible written by a guy called Jeremiah. He also throws all the filters away. And this is Lamentations 3, 19 to 24. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one other thing I remember. And remembering, I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. And there have been so many times in my life where I've used Jeremiah's words here as my own. And I found them a massive encouragement. And there's that encouragement again to be honest um, but also kind of like a gentle, firm nudge to keep a grip on hope, to remember who God is, to choose to look to him and his good stuff. And if he's all I've got left, if he's all we've got left, that's okay. Unfortunately, to remember, it's not a click your fingers trick to get ourselves out of times when we're in trouble, lost, or feel like we've hit rock bottom. But I do think it's powerful to choose to call out God and his faithfulness, his love, the times he's been awesomely personal and obviously present in our lives. Like this counts. Even if we do it when we're crying day and night through gritted teeth, just repeating it, saying it over and over, I do think this shifts stuff. It's really important that we hold on, that we remember. It helps us keep a grip on hope. Uh, so the third thing, wrestle and question. Um, so to be honest, at this point right now, it's hard to know how this might be landing with you, mainly because I can't see you. Um, and I feel like, oh, I need to say something a bit more obviously good or positively quick before you switch off. 
But I do really believe that this is, is good stuff. Psalm 42, it might not have a happily ever after, nicely tied up ending, but this is, is good stuff. This is real life. And this is the kind of amazingly honest relationship that God wants and is encouraging us to have with him, which, to be honest, is totally mind-blowing. Like God, the God who made the world, who is awesome and powerful, is up for some wrestling with us. He wants to hear our questions. Like this really is good stuff. And I feel like maybe I talk about wrestling quite a lot. By that I mean in a faith context, not the actual Olympic sport wrestling. That would be weird. Um, and it's probably because I spend a lot of time wrestling with God, wrestling with my faith and how it all fits together. And I think I also talk about wrestling a fair bit because I think it's really important that we learn how to wrestle with God and to know that wrestling with God, faith, it's, it's totally okay. And more than that, it is a good and healthy thing to do. And this psalm, Psalm 42, it's all about wrestling and questions. And that's pretty clear to see when we read it. The psalmist says, when, where, why, 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 where, why, why. There's a lot of questions, a lot of wrestling. But the question that I have for all of us as we, as we read this, as we hear the questions and the wrestling, like how do how do we feel? Do we do we find it a bit uncomfortable, or offensive even? Do we think that this psalmist, to be honest, just needs to get a grip? And what if the writer keeps going around the cycle of verses one to five, verses six to seven, and back and around again? Are we tempted to come up with a load of answers to all the questions that are being asked? And do we find it difficult not knowing how the story ends? Genuinely love to know what you think. But wrestling and asking questions with and of God does not mean that we're lacking in faith. It doesn't mean that we are being all casual and disregarding the awesomeness of God. I think it shows a courageous faith and a deep trust and understanding of our relationship with God. Like wrestling and asking questions shows courageous faith and a deep trust in our relationship with God. And this is the faith and relationship that we see in our psalm and it's what we see in Jesus. We all want to be like Jesus, don't we? But we will come back to him in a minute. Before we do that, let's have a look at our final little bit from this psalm and the word yet. So like this psalm, it's kind of in two sections and each one concludes with the same words. So in verse five and in verse 11, we read this. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? 
Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. These words and the repetition of them, I think sum up everything that we've looked at so far. We've got the wrestling and the questions, we've got the remembering and the pursuing. And in the word yet, that kind of like ties all of this stuff up together, we've got hope. This isn't a hope that hides pain and reality. It's not a guilt-based, well, I should be this, so I'll say it kind of hope. It's not a hope that comes from summoning up everything we've got and clenching our fists and screwing up our eyes. Like this is hope in God. And the psalmist is anxious and depressed. Like it is not well with their soul. But within this, they pull out that small but powerful word, yet. Like they're saying, this is where I'm at now. It's painful and it hurts, but I cling on to my hope in my God, my God who rescues me. And I believe with everything that I've got that there will be a day when I can shout about his goodness again, for I will yet praise him. Um, there's another great yet verse in the book of Romans in the Bible. Um, this is chapter 4, verse 9, and verses 20 to 21. And it's talking about a guy called Abraham, who's a pretty big deal in the whole of the Bible. And it says, so without weakening in his faith, he, that's Abraham, faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Again, we see a yet that stubbornly points to faith in God and hope for the future, even though the in-your-face present reality seems to say something very different. That's huge, isn't it, to be able to say, yet to be fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he's promised, even though life right now, in the present, in this moment, looks very different. And Jesus, he prayed a huge yet prayer as he wrestled with God, with his father, not long before he was put to death. And I'm going to read these verses and we're going to use this as we think about everything that we've talked about, as we respond, and we're also going to share communion together. So this is Mark chapter 14, uh, verses 32 to 36 and verse 39. They went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. 
Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing, yet not what I will, but what you will. And I think there are so many different ways we could respond in all of this and kind of wish we had another 30 minutes to do that. We haven't, or I haven't, you haven't, but I just want to encourage you that God loves you, whatever is going on for you right now. Like he loves you more than you could ever really understand and he's with you in a way that no one else could be. And this is what we see in Jesus' death on the cross, in his coming back to life. And this is why we share this communion meal together, to remember this, to remember Jesus. And as we do this, we, we keep a grip on hope. We are thankful for the God-inspired yet that holds it all together. So I'm going to pray um, and we're going to share communion. So if you um, yeah, grab something that represents bread, wine, um, yeah, I'm going to pray. And yeah, let's ask God, what, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to us through this psalm? What are you wanting to do with us? So let's pray. Yeah, Holy Spirit, will you come? Yeah, will you highlight the stuff that you are saying to us right now as individuals, as church family? And thank you, Father God, for your word that is alive and powerful and speaks to us today. And I pray, God, will you encourage us in this psalm that we've read today, that we've looked at and picked a part of it. And yeah, Holy Spirit, will you fill us so we have that um, thread of pursuing you, no matter what, throughout our lives. Yeah, when life is tough, when it feels like we've hit rock bottom, will you help us? Will you put people around us to, to pick us up, to keep us running, running the race, to be pursuing you? And thank you for this amazing relationship that we can have with you, where we can wrestle the stuff of life, where we can ask the why, where, when, questions of life and yeah just remember what um, Bob Sorge said in the video that we watched earlier like for five years he could only pray a three-word prayer which is a huge prayer I love you and that was his prayer I love you I don't understand you but I love you 
So yeah, Father, if that is something that we need to hold on to, that we need to grab as our prayer, will you help us to do that now? And Jesus, we, we hear your prayer of surrender that says, yeah, you say to your Father, your way, not mine. And yeah, we pray that prayer now. Yeah, Father God, your way, not ours. 